And I realize that uh, with revival services and such, we end up spending a tremendous amount of time uh, in other areas because naturally we need to hear more than just one thing. The Bible is so full of remarkable subjects. They all have to be dealt with. But we want to return again tonight to talking about soul winning. Now, I talked to you about the fruit of the Spirit and the gospel seed. How many of you were here and remember somewhat about those studies, okay? Now, there is a part of the Bible that I would like to discuss with you tonight. And it has to do with holiness and how it relates to soul winning. I think that this is something that is so very, very vital. Now, it may appear that a lot of our work is foundational work. Now, what uh, I believe is the will of God for Calvary Gospel Church in the area of evangelism. Now, we do have a campus ministry We also have an outreach program called the bus ministry. We have another one that's called the rest home ministry. We may have jail ministries going and hospital ministries and a lot of different things. But I believe the commandment of the Lord is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now the word preach here is actually making reference to teaching the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, the Bible tells us that we should go and that we should teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. So we are to go and teach all nations. I personally feel that the teaching of home Bible studies is the answer to world evangelization. Now you may say, well, it's going to take a long time, one-on-one, to reach the world. It wouldn't take nearly as long as what you think if everybody did their thing. And everybody became a teacher for the Lord. Now, I do not feel that every person has the ability to teach. I do feel, however, that more people could do it if they would try to develop that ability. Now, whenever I say teach, I think that everybody should be a teacher, but I'm not talking about it with a search for truth chart. See, whenever I say that teaching is the answer Home Bible study is the answer. We relate that sometimes to search for truth. Well, we got several different home Bible studies. We got uh, exploring God's word. We got search for truth. There's several others also have been taught little mini charts and such. But I think the answer to reaching the world is in teaching, and then of course teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded thee. Now, we've been talking to you a lot about soul winning. And, of course, uh, as I stated before, some of this is very, very foundational. But it's something that we really need to hear. Because I personally think that, that God left us here with the structure of the Word 
so that we become an integral part of us for a purpose. And that is so that that our good works will uh, be advertisement to the world concerning the great grace of God. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up in the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Now, we know that's talking about the crucifixion and him being lifted up. But the spiritual significance of that is that the death, the burial and the resurrection of the Lord should be seen in lives that have been lifted up from the miry clay of sin and of iniquity. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So tonight we want to talk about holiness. Just what is holiness? This is a big question that comes to a lot of people's attention. Holiness is an attribute of God and something that's not altogether easy to define. We'd like to, for you to turn to Titus, the second chapter, and we'd like to just do a little reading here concerning the holiness of God and how it is spoken of in the Scripture. In all the lessons that I personally talked to you about, I think that this is by far the more important one, the most important one. But speak thou the things, Titus 2, which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober. Now when we say aged men, in our congregation here, we do not have a lot of men who are what we would call senior citizens. We have some retired men here. I believe Brother Miller's retired. Brother Manley's retired. And these men are not what we call old men. But they have retired. But basically speaking, we have a very young congregation. Now, I'm the pastor here, and I have to be 42 years of old age, and we don't have many people here that are above my age. Now, while I do think that that seniority really counts, I think that regardless of what level you are on as far as the church is concerned, that it's God's plan that the older men of the congregation be excellent examples for the younger ones. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity or love, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now you notice what the, and this is where we want to stop momentarily and spend a little time. Notice what it says, that the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now, the word likewise is used, which denotes that this same quality should be in the, or that he was referring to this quality in the age men. See? So what he's really saying is now, now, but speak thou the things which becometh, number one, sound doctrine, that the age men be sober, grave, 
temperate, sound in faith, in charity or love, in patience. That is what? That is behavior which becometh holiness. So he picks up by saying that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior which becometh holiness. Now, of course, he goes on, elaborates a little, a little bit more. Concerning behavior, woman, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may, be, may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now that word blaspheme is a strong word. They crucified Jesus because they accused him of blaspheming. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Let's say that. Pattern of good works. Pattern of good works. Let's say it again. Pattern of good works. Pattern of good works. All right. Now verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Now, boy, he's throwing some heavy stuff out here. He is throwing some heavy stuff. This uh, uh, Paul, writing to Titus, is putting down some real heavy stuff. Now, what is holiness? Now, as explained in the passage of Scripture here, holiness is the moral condition of a person. Now, when we say the moral condition of a person, I think as we develop the lesson you will see uh, somewhat uh, in, in the context of all of it, the whole story. All right. One synonym for holiness, as it is explained here, could be wholeness. In other words, completeness. Completeness. Now, it does have visible, observable dimensions. Now, the reason why I want to call this to your attention, because in our particular world today, you know, you hear it so often. Uh, it's not what you do or how you dress or how you look. It's what's inside of your heart. You hear that all the time, don't you? You turn on the radio, you hear messages of love preached and such, and, and they constantly make reference to this. Well, I am a strong believer that we should preach love and charity and preach it even more as uh, our particular uh, world becomes more corrupt. I also believe that... Uh, do I have this in focus? There we go. It's a little better now. I also believe that holiness, as explained in the Bible, does have visible, observable dimensions. People can see it and its effect in your life. Now, a good way to explain this, can you see God? We say, no, you can't see God, but yet Jesus was God with us. See, God who is invisible became visible in a fleshly form. And God who is holy becomes visible in fleshly forms today. And you see, that's the teaching, the works of Jesus Christ uh, and what he was while he was here. 
and how God manifested himself in Jesus must be manifested in, in us. So holiness, which is the quality or character of God that uh, uh, denotes purity, rightness, truthfulness, is manifested through us, through the outer extremities of life, the flesh. All right, it does have visible, observable dimensions. Now, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, I'd like for you to turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, I put spirit and flesh. He has flesh and spirit. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. I've just reversed these because of my point number 2. In other words, your inner character denotes your outer conduct. And throughout the Scripture, you will find that they constantly, the, the writers of the Scripture, speak of of holiness as it relates to the inner man. But they also speak of holiness as it relates to the outer man. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do you perfect it? By cleansing yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Now these people who come around and tell you it doesn't make any difference how you look or how you dress or what you do. It's what's on inside, inside of your heart. Listen, they are covering up. They're making excuses for deficiencies in the flesh that ought not to exist. You see, we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now, when the Lord saved us, when we were baptized and we became a new creature, now that denotes body, soul, and spirit. And you will find as you read, especially 1 Corinthians... The second, third chapters and fourth chapters and then going on into chapter 12. And then you turn and read 2 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2 and into 3. You will find that they're, they're dealing with this, this constantly. Uh, talking about the mind of Christ and who can know the mind of Christ? Who can know the spirit, say the spirit of man that is within man? But you see, our spirit has been renewed. Our spirit has been rejuvenated. Our spirit has been reborn. See, the soul of man has been reborn. The inside that was corrupt. So, as we talk about one synonym for, for holiness is wholeness. That's what we're talking about. The whole man. Jesus came that we might be made whole. W-H-O-L-E. Complete. You cannot separate your character from your conduct. What you are Inside determines what you do outside. And what you're doing outside is a reflection of what you feel inside. This is the reason why that scriptures appear in the Bible, such as from the abundance of the mouth. The heart is? No, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, what is in your heart determines how you talk. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See? The inner man controls the outer man. And if you don't have any control over the outer man, it's simply because 
that you haven't worked on the inner man the way that you need to work on the inner man. Now, there is a possibility of uh, your spiritual growth to be of such level that the, that the inner man is maturing and somebody needs to talk to you about uh, discipline on the outside. Now, I believe that. You have to do that with your children. Uh, that's the purpose of, of the body of Christ and instructors. All right. But holiness does have uh, invisible, observable dimensions. All right. One who is holy will grow in his ability to function as a whole person. One who is holy will grow in his ability to function as a whole person. And this is the reason why I say that it, you know, what you are now is important to God, but your potential, what you can become, is equally as important. See, I've heard people say, well, all God expects of me is my best. You hear that all the time. Now, while I do understand the truthfulness of the statement, I also understand that some people just cover up with that. In other words, they, they, they feel like they can't do much and they're not trying to do much. So they say, well, all I can do is just my best. So if, if you all don't like it, so what? You know, they, they don't put that on the, the latter end, but, but that's what you read. God requires more than your best. What do you mean by that? Because you see, it's God that's inside. And God is better than any works of, of man. And what God is trying to do is to allow you to reach the place in which you, and I use the word allow you, not force you. But allow you to reach the place in which you can give yourself to do what the spirit inside of you is wanting you to do. You see, all of us who were filled with the Holy Ghost right down to this altar, we all receive the same God. Why is it that some people can accomplish more in a short period of time than some people will in a lifetime? You see, God is omnipotent. The God that filled Karen is just as powerful as the God that filled Brother Chuck Cox. You see... Then why do some people end up doing a lot more? Well, so we've got all kinds of reasons that we, we apply. We say, well, I'm a one-talent Christian. He's a four. He's a six or ten or twelve or whatever, see. Well, you know, you're not supposed to give much thought to what talent Christian you are. You see, it's not the best, but it's the best that you can possibly become. Why? Because Christianity is growing. You see, some people will allow the Lord to be reflected in their activities more than others. Some allow selfishness to control. So, they're not really complete in Him, as Colossians 2.10 tells us that we ought to be. See? For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 1.19. Colossians 2.9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we're complete in Him. Completeness here simply means wholeness. It's making a reference to the holiness of God. It's making a reference to the holiness of God. And we talked to you about the balanced person, John 4, 24. For God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Perfecting holiness in the spirit and in the flesh. Just as 
the fruit of the Spirit is manifest in our life having the Spirit of that fruit in the seed that is subsurface. You see, what, what the fruit is, it is also bound up in that tiny seed that's inside of the fruit. And the fruit is capable of producing after its kind. And cannot produce any other way but after its kind. So, the balanced person is a person who worships God in spirit and in truth. In other words, there's, there's a balance in their living. And they understand this. That the God that's inside wants to encase himself in a tabernacle, a fleshly form right now on the earth, that as it grows, it becomes the full stature and nature of God himself. God wants to me to be holy like he is holy. The scripture says this. Now, you see, I can't do it on my own. There's no way I can make myself holy. But you see, the purpose of God coming and dwelling in me is to take control of my life, take charge of my life. Now, if I am stubborn and self-willed, and I will not allow that Holy Spirit to work inside of me, then what happens? Then... Naturally, my actions won't be right. I will not do what I need to do. Now, you see the statement that people make, well, it all depends on what's in your heart. No, it's not what's in your heart. It's the condition of the heart itself. You see, what we do, we say, you know, here is a, here is a man who blood washes his soul with the blood of the Lord. And the Lord comes in and fills him. Well, that spirit's holy. But you see, sometimes we don't allow the Lord to minister to the inner man. So as a result, the inner man does not stay alive with that spirit. And the spirit has no way of making itself known in the action of a man until the inner man is changed. You can get all the Holy Ghost you want to get. You can talk in tongues every time you come to the altar simply by yielding yourself. But you see, you've got to let the Holy Ghost minister to that heart. To change that heart. You need a change inside of you. But you see, what happens quite often, because we're, we're capable of running out of the altar, lifting our hands and praying in the Spirit, because we know how to give ourselves. We think, well... I wonder how come now that things are not quite right in my heart. I just prayed and talked in tongues and and the Lord filled me. Because you don't let him minister to the inner man. You see about 90% of the worship of most Pentecostals, I say most Pentecostals, occur to the physical. But you see God wants to do more than just affect you physically. See, eh, he wants to get down inside. Why? Because, you see, it's real easy to be affected physically by worship, you know, physically by dancing, physically by shouting, physically by loud noises and such. However, if that is the extent of the worship, then, you know, when Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday comes, when we're not really worshiping, you know, in a structured service, then that Holy Ghost that was so physical has then fizzled out. 
See, God wants the, the man inside to be to do something. You see, genuine holiness is not a static quality. In other words, God's not just lying dormant in our heart. You see, have, have you ever seen acid work on metal? You know, certain acids that you can put on metal. And uh, uh, Brother Sonny cleans the, uh, the baptismal tank. And he gets, uh, what kind of acid is that? Muratic acid. And he puts it all inside. That's to, you see, when we wash your sins away, they don't all go down the drain. Seems like some of them kind of stick around on the top and form scum, see? So, <clears throat> he takes this muratic acid and puts all around it. You should see that stuff work on your sins. <clears throat> no, I'm only teasing. You know that your sins you cannot see when they come out of you. They've been washed with the blood of the Lord. But just as that muratic acid works on the ring inside of a tub, you can see when it's put on there, uh, you see the Holy Ghost is not just static in your life. It's not a static quality. It's not a dormant thing. It, uh, it will etch and eat away and, and change you. And that's what God wants to do. In other words, translated into life action, it manifests itself through such qualities as, such qualities as, okay, integrity. Can somebody tell me what integrity is? Brother Felix, what is integrity? All right. He, Brother Felix says integrity is the basic character that you possess that makes you want to do right. Integrity is honesty. It's truthfulness. See, it kind of pulls the cover off of everything. Let you, let you just see everything as it really is. Now, notice what we're saying. Genuine holiness is not a static quality. It translates itself into life action. It manifests itself through such qualities as integrity. I think that's uh, something that's so very important. Let me just talk to you a little bit about honesty. Uh, I read a story not too long ago, and there was a, uh, a preacher in, in England. I think it was England. Now, this was way back in, in uh, mid-1800s, uh, maybe late 1700s. Great revival sweeping England at that time. And uh, so this uh, a preacher would always ride the, the bus. Now, the bus at that time was kind of a horse-drawn type thing. You know, it wasn't like the buses of today. But at any rate, when the, uh, the preacher got on the, uh, the old horse-drawn carriage and such, he, he gave the driver a coin. And the driver, in turn, gave him a coin. The preacher didn't pay any attention to what it was. He got back and he got the feeling of it. When he pulled it out, he realized that the driver had given him twice as much money as what he had given the driver. So apparently a mistake had been made. And here the man sat there with this coin in his hand. He said, my. He said, this, this trip's not going to cost me anything. In fact, I have doubled my money. So <clears throat> he put the money back in his pocket. But the longer he sat there with the money in his pocket, the more it hurt him. 
and bothered him. He said, this man made a mistake. And uh, so whenever the horse-drawn carriage stopped, let the preacher out, the preacher came around the front and uh, he told the driver, said, uh, sir, you made a mistake. You gave me back a coin that was twice the amount of the coin I gave you. So the driver took it out of his hand and uh, gave him some change back. But the driver looked at him and said, no, I didn't really make a mistake. He said, you know, he said, you pastor a large church here in town. You didn't know it, but I was in your congregation Sunday. And you preached on honesty. And uh, he said, that was no mistake. He said, uh, I didn't really think preachers would, would do that. And he said, I was just testing you out. You know, I think the Lord intentionally tests the integrity of people. The honesty of people. Now, if that man had have kept that coin, that driver would probably have never gone back to church. But that was his way of testing the integrity. Don't you think Joseph, when he was down in Egypt, that the Lord allowed him to go to Potiphar's house so that his integrity was tested? So you see, holiness is not a static quality. It translates itself into life action. It manifests itself through such qualities as integrity. Justice. What is justice? Somebody help me out here? Brother Manley, what is justice? It's just being fair and passing judgment upon situations. In other words, what happens to us largely, we pass judgment upon situations and it's usually determined by who did what. See, but God is a righteous judge. That means he judges everybody the same. Now, if this be true and we have the Holy Ghost, then God likes for us to pass judgment upon situations, not dependent upon who does what, but upon the sin itself. All right, righteousness. Now, holiness, in most cases, is defined in the Bible as what's inside. Righteousness is what comes on the outside. In other words, it's just doing things right. Have you ever met some people just seem like everything they do is so sweet and nice and right? Well, people are not just born that way. There is a reason. And then, of course, freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt simply means they don't, they don't have complexes about themselves. It's just, God saved me, I've been guilty of a lot of things, but it's been taken away, and I refuse to live under condemnation. Did you know, condemnation will trouble you and perhaps prohibit productivity more so than anything. If you live under guilt, see, the Bible says when the Son has set you free, you are what? Free indeed. Free indeed. And one reason why that we need to be free, except that liberty of the Lord, is because of the productivity that the Lord is expecting of all of us. Now, a truly holy person, a truly holy person is a wholesome person. 
Now, what is wholesome? What do you think of when you think of a wholesome person? Brother Rich Thomas, what do you think of? He's wholesome. He's pleasant to be around. He's, he's, just, he's just a nice man. He's, he doesn't offend and he's not easily offended. He's just he's a pure man. He's, he's a great man. So a truly holy person is a wholesome person. Now holiness is the basis or the foundation of blamelessness. 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 tells us <clears throat> concerning a bishop that we must be what? Blameless. 1 Timothy 3 verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So holiness is the basis or the foundation of blamelessness. Blamelessness. Now Titus 1 and 7. Now we read to you Titus 2. Uh, 1 and 7 is basically speaking of the very same thing that 1 Timothy 3 is speaking of. For a bishop must be blameless. Blameless. Now Matthew 27, and perhaps this is a good place for us to turn to consider what blamelessness is really all about. Matthew 27, verse 15. Now at the feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, How thou nothing to do with this or with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. See, God gave her a dream and said he's a just man. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain... Will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said, say unto him, Crucif or Let him be crucified. Verse 23, And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood 
of this just person. See you to it. Now what he's actually saying here, this man has done nothing. In other words, you can't look at the man and point your finger at one thing that he has actually done that's wrong. See? Now, you may say, well, Brother Grant, if this is what we're talking about, I can never achieve that. I can never achieve that. Well, while I do think that people make mistakes, I have made mistakes. I have recently made mistakes. I think that all of us, and even our neighbors are aware, when we become repentant of mistakes we have made. But they are also keenly aware of mistakes that you make and you don't seek repentance for them. God has a way of covering up the actions of a man after he has repented. It's hard for me to look at some of the people that sit right here. And it's hard for me to look back at the process of growth that you came through. And remember the mistakes that you made. I know that some of you have been in my office more times than you could ever remember. And there are many of you that have been in there and been in there and been in there. And, and I take notes on things that happen because I have a way of forgetting. But if I didn't go back and look at some of the notes, I'd, I, I just couldn't remember. I just Now, why? Because I measure the growth and see the growth. And people have a tendency of remembering you for what you are or what you are right now rather than what you were. And for this reason, a man can give his heart to the Lord and never tell his neighbor that he's been converted and let him live next door to his neighbor a few months and the neighbor already notices the change and he accepts the change and realizes the change. And all of a sudden, he will brand you as a holy roller and a whole lot of other things. Seemingly forgetting your partying that you did only a month ago. In other words, he is not associating your life with himself anymore. So blamelessness, that simply means that under a particular set of circumstances, one's behavior is beyond repute. You have just built up a credibility and a reputation uh, that's totally different. And this is what I really would like to spend a lot of time on tonight. Time would certainly prohibit me from doing it. But do you know that, that the true worth of a Christian, the true holiness of a Christian, listen, it's easy to do things that are right when all the circumstances are right. You see, it's easy to be friendly when people are friendly. It's easy to speak good when people are speaking good. It's just easy to turn good deeds for people when people are turning good deeds for you. In other words, when the circumstances are right, it's easy to be right. But when we talk about blamelessness, we are saying it is noted in how you react under pressure and adversities.
It's not so easy to be friendly when people are not friendly. And it's not so easy to keep your cool when people lose their cool. And it's not so easy to keep your anger down when somebody is angry at you. See? This is when the holiness of God must shine through your life. So blamelessness is living life to the fullest and yet not compromising the condition of God's holy character. Simply means that you can just, you can be a wholesome person, you can be pleasant to be around, you can be friendly, your integrity can be great. Some people feel that if you rub shoulders of the world, you've got to compromise. There is no way we can win the world if we can't rub shoulders with the world. But there's no way we can win the world if we rub shoulders with them if we become what they are. And this is the reason why you need to be a wholesome person. Person. This is the reason why that your judgments ought to be right. You know the reason why? You, you just start rubbing shoulders with anyone. And the first thing they're going to do is say, uh, what do you think about? And they will... They will Press you to pass judgment on some situation. Now, why do they want Christians to do that all the time? Because if you go around telling them where they're wrong, they said, oh, "Don't judge." But they're the first ones that'll say, "Now, what do you think about so and so that did this and that and the other?" Does that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, that's the way people are. That's exactly the way they are. But I still say that you can live blamelessness, or blameless rather, without compromising the condition of God's holy character. And when we say conditions of God's holy character, uh, that's exactly what we mean. His character, what is his character? It's peace, it's joy, it's righteousness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I tell you the truth. Now listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. You may suffer in this present world for being godly. The Bible says you will. But if every job you hold, everybody's down your throat. And if every family reunion you go to, everybody's down your throat. And if every group of people you associate you with on a social level is down your throat, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Now, positionally, the believer stands blameless before God and man. Acts, the second chapter. Well, I don't want to take anything out of context. I do understand and I do realize that you will suffer in this present world. But I also believe that you can make many, many friends. Now, Acts the second chapter, verse 42. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed worked together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now notice this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, sometimes I think Christians like to fight. You think so? Well, I know that I've seen Christians like to fight. There are some people who cannot talk with an outsider or a person from another denomination without getting into a heated argument. Still out there? Now, there is a time in which you're going to cause some people to argue with you. But if it's just your nature to always be argumentative, then your nature is not right. And if it's in your system to just try to prove everybody wrong, then that's not right. You know, there's a certain ego in people, in some people, that they just like to put everybody down. They like to win every argument. You'll find in a lot of households there's no peace there because the husband wants to prove his toughness and the wife wants to win every argument. And so there can, there can be no peace in that household. See? Because they're just too interested in who gets the last word in. And some Christians that way, they feel like if they don't go away saying, boy, I really told him. Now, I just recently talked to an individual. It wasn't an individual of this church. But uh, we were talking, and, and of course, all of a sudden, he brought up something. And he told me, he said, I'll tell you what I don't like. I actually saw this man one time. He almost got in a fight. And he said, I am just waiting. Now, I said, now, you believe that this man's character is not right because he almost got in a fight. But you're willing to turn around and fight him. Over the fact that his attitude wasn't right towards somebody else. Now, you know, you're getting me extremely confused. He said, well, Jesus Christ, if he'd have been there, he would have winged him real good. I said, yeah. Peter said in his epistle, when he was reviled, he winged him real good. And, of course, he wasn't listening to what I was telling him. He said, that's exactly right. <clears throat> I said, now, wait a minute. Let's, let's back up. I didn't quote that right. Now, you know I didn't. Now, listen to me. But can you believe that? Can you believe that? All right. First <clears throat> Timothy 3, 7. We go back to the bishop again. And we're not just trying to, to pick on preachers. But preachers are to be examples. 
1 Timothy 3, verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Why do we need a good report of the people that are without? That's who we're trying to win. That's who we're trying to win. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Isn't it strange that God connected our relationship to other people with this subject of holiness? Why? Because you see, holiness is a basic ingredient for soul winning. Now we don't always get that. You hear what I'm saying? Holiness is the basic ingredient of soul winning. Credibility is essential for effective evangelism. If you don't know how to get along with people, and you've got to win every argument, and you don't know how to behave yourself, and you don't know how to control yourself, then what happens? Things are not too good. Things are not too good. The gospel is what? The gospel is taken from two words, actually. God spell, which means good news. So in summary, we must be good news before we can share the good news. In other words... Here's a whole bunch of people, and here you walk in. And they all look around like, we better leave now. Here he is. Now, sometimes we can actually, we can pride ourselves in stuff like that. Boy, when I came in, they all scattered. I went over to my neighbor's house, and I knew he didn't want to talk to me. You know, you're probably right. He probably didn't. <clears throat> You understand what I'm saying? See, now if if people are always doing you this way, hey, wait a minute. You see, you've got to be the good news before you can share the good news. See? And and, and, and some people are hard to visit with. Some people are just hard to visit with. I've met a lot of people in the world that, that I've tried my best to visit with them. I've even had people come knock on my door and I thought, oh no, not them again. Now we're not talking about people of the church. You know, but just, wow. You know, old Pastor Grant, I just really like to talk with you and such a, oh, you know. You, you know, once they come, what they do is they just ask question, 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 question. And then everything you say, then they question that. Oh, I don't know. You know, there's just a few things that, that Sister Grant and I have tried to develop uh, of, of our own and try to teach it to our children. And, and uh, I just share some of those things with you. You know, if you're visiting with someone and you know he's telling you something that's not true. Now, I'm not talking about a lie or anything, but you know he's telling you something that's not true. You don't just stop him and say, hey, wait a minute. Now, that's not right. You know, have you ever had people do you that way? And then you tell somebody something that said, nope, wrong, 
Or some people you tell things to another. Like, oh, now, come on now. You know? See, I think that Christians ought to be happy people. They ought to enjoy living. They ought to live to the fullest of this life. They ought to possess the divine character of God. I think that you can go into a room where people are and and uh, and be vivacious and happy. Now the scripture says sober, but sometimes we turn that around and we think it means sour. Now there is a difference, you know. You know, we've been feasting on new wine, not old vinegar. I mean, the Holy Ghost makes you happy, makes you enjoy life. Oh, you know how Christians are? They're so persecuted. You know, just, just, it's, just, uh, it's just terrible. You know, you go knock on your neighbor's house and knock on his door and he invites you in and right away. <sighs> No, he's wondering when you're going to leave. Yes, Mr. Jones, I haven't talked with you in a long time. But I wonder why you haven't been out to church. Well, uh, you know, we go to church over at uh, the so-and-so church. Yeah, well, I noticed that. Uh, I, I know that you leave out everyone. Are you getting anything out of that church? Well, you know, we've been uh, this all of our life. Yes, but you know, God can save uh, save you from that. You know, I'm just feeling sorry for you the other day. You know, you go through all this kind of stuff. You know. Now, we're talking, listen, the key to evangelism is to build up a credibility with people so that you are good news when you come in. Here's a person that, man, he is so happy. I don't agree with him, but he is happy. He's he just singing like a lark and... And, uh, you know, he just just enjoys life. And, and wow, there's something different about him. And then every now and then he gets down and you're encouraging him. See, you're encouraging him and, and such. I told this story and I, I, I just, I just, I've seen so much of this. I really, I've seen so much of this. I, uh, you know, I think the, I think the people of the world have a good, good way of selling what they have. The devil the devil, he, he makes them feel good about things that are just rotten, you know. I mean, here's a man that can go over to the, to the university stadium. Now, please understand that he's got his little boy by his side. And he only gets him once each six months. Why? Because he's been se- he's separated. Well, he's been separated four or five times from different women. Divorced. Now, he, he just lost his job. So he doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. And, uh, I mean, things are bad. I mean, everything's bad. And he can go over there and clap his hands and kick off his shoes and throw his hat up and, and have a good time. I mean, he's, he's enjoying sin for a season. You know, the Bible speaks of that. And, and he, can, he can persuade a whole lot of people that, that he's having fun. Oh, Everything's all right. But sometimes Christians, you know, the least little thing can happen. I mean, the least little thing can happen. 
And, uh, man, they just fly off the handle. They get mad about it. And they come to church mad. And their temperament's not right. And they're grouchy. And, and uh, you know. If people are coming by and shaking your hand, detecting it, you know, that uh, that uh, something's wrong, you know. Now, please understand, I would not expect you to come to church at the death of your wife and, uh, and uh, you know, shout all over the building. Now, I understand that there's certain things that does have its effect. This guy was, guy was out playing golf and the funeral passed by. And he took off his hat and stood there. And the guy says, man, that's very nice of you to respect the dead. And he said, well, she was a good wife. You know. Now, I don't expect you to, you know, I don't expect you to act that normal, you know, about, about something that grave. But, but you know, just, uh, <clears throat> you know, just at least a little thing just, just throw you, you know. So, one day in the house of the Lord, you're doing what? Just, oh, everybody, you need to clap your hands and let's get with it. Next time you're down there, you're not moving, you're not clapping your hands. So what in the world happened? Well, oh, it's going down the freeway and, you know, I hit a piece of metal and blew out a tire. It cost me $65, a new one. You know, you're not going to praise the Lord, you're not going to do anything. Now, see, this is what I'm talking about, being, being so temperamental about things. See, when the supermarket with my mother, and this is a story I was going to tell to start with, and, and she said, oh, I want you to meet this sister. And so the sister came around the corner. I said, how are you? She says, oh, you shouldn't have asked. You know? I, I realized right then I shouldn't have. And then I made my second mistake by asking her, well, what's wrong? She says, you got a couple of hours? You know, she said, you know where I work over at the, she worked at a laundry. She said, over at this commercial laundry, she said, you know, there are no Christian work over there. And they don't like Christians. And they always give me the bad job. Now, she said, you know, my boss, uh, he has it in for me. And she just went on and on and on and on and on. Really, I was about ready just to just cry. It, it was pitiful. She just went on and on and on and on. And my mother said, well, we got to go. And she just kept talking and kept talking and kept. Now, you'd think that if I were a sinner, she could persuade me that what she has is, is peace and joy. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, you'd think that she could tell me that she's happy. I'm just glad that somebody witnessed to me besides her. <laughs> you see, before you can share the good news, you must be the good news. And you see, that's what the subject of holiness in the Bible is. It's stressing God's virtuous nature inside of you in spirit form finding its ways in your daily action so that people can see your good works and glorify your God. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And, and I really feel the key to evangelism is not just running out and telling somebody how to be saved, but it's living a life of a saved person. Now, if you don't tell them, telling has its place. But you can talk until you just don't have words and you won't convince people without the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon your life. Not your words, but your life. There's, see, there are certain people whose messages are anointed, but there are certain people whose lives are anointed. And there is a difference. I say there is a difference. Joseph was a man who had an anointed life. People saw it in his living. They knew that there was a distinction. There's something different. What did Joseph do? He was able to rub shoulders with everybody in Egypt. And yet at the same time, not jeopardize his relationship with God. It did not have its bearing on his character at all. He remained what he was. And that's what Jesus did. Praise God. Are you the good news? I say, are you the good news? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I may not be good news to everybody. And I'm, I'm sure that there's nobody here that's good news to everybody. And please don't misunderstand me. You will have crosses with people. You'll have your share of of moments in which you're not, you do everything right, and some people won't like you. But if everybody has turned against you and nobody likes you and everybody just, just wants to run the other way when you come around, there's something wrong. You need the holiness of God to work inside of your heart. Praise God. I want you to stand at this time. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Oh. oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Isn't the Lord good? Praise God. I believe that you're wanting to find a place to kneel and pray tonight. Would you do that? Please remember balance. Balance in your life. So necessary. So important. Praise God.